Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, PlumCreekOnline.com slash give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Do you guys know who Ryan is? Some of you might know. That was her husband. So she's like famous, right? She's also our intern director. She's doing such a great job. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing a little bit of your story, too. That's great. Well, we're in this series that we have called Untouchables because we're touching some topics that typically are untouchable in church. And last week, we uh, talked about sexuality and we talked about homosexuality as well. And so that um, video is available online if you didn't get a chance to watch that. I would encourage you to do that. And so this week, it's totally no problem. We're going to talk about politics. It's great. (laughs) The easiest thing in the world, right? Not always. It can be a little sticky too, can't it? We all have different... Uh, perhaps some different perspectives as it relates to, to politics, but we're going we're gonna to talk about this because the scriptures talk to us about it, and sometimes these things that, these topics that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks and through this series can be tough, they can be controversial, they can be emotional, and uh, we've just made a commitment together as a church that we're just going to focus in on what the Bible says, we're going to let God speak to us, and uh, we're not going to get mad, right? We're not going to get mad. So uh, we need to know today how, as Christ followers, we should approach politics. And this is important because we're heading into an election year. Does that make you excited? You like that? You get fired up about election year? Do you guys like that? Some of you maybe enjoy watching the debates. How many of you have watched debates? Just raise your hands. Oh, good. Many of you have. We have a responsibility, don't we, to use our freedom to vote? We sure do. Uh, But don't you love about this time of year the, the political the political ads that will be inundating your living room soon. Do you love that stuff? Is that great? You guys are like, no, right? Well, just to get you ready, uh, there was a, 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 an election being held for the Texas lieutenant governor, and uh, one of uh, this particular candidate's, uh, one of the folks he was running against, uh, his campaign released this web video and you've got to see it because it's absolutely priceless. It's called The Ballad of Danny Gobe. And apparently this candidate had changed his name at some point. And so his, his, uh, the one that was running against him wanted to make sure the world knew about that. And this is one of the most priceless political ads of all time. Watch the screen. <clears throat> Changed my name to cover my past, to cover my bankruptcy. Now the voters know my secrets, they know I had unpaid tax liens. The runoff election's coming soon, and I will try to hide. I want to keep it hid, and heaven knows I'll try. 
won't let them in, won't let them see That I'm a phony radio disc jockey I'll try to lie, why should they know? Well now they know Danny Gold, Danny Gold I can't lie to you anymore That's my name, Danny Gold and I've got lies to answer for. All right, that's enough of that, don't you think? Like, seriously, are you kidding me? Like, your third grader with an iMac could figure out how to do that, right? Like, that is priceless. And so uh, that is, like, the worst adaptation of a Disney song ever, ever. And on Saturday, I said, uh, you know, if you want to uh, help your children hate Disney and hate you, just show them that. Just show them that. And then uh, one of the young moms came up and said, I'm doing that because I can't stand watching the movie anymore. Like, I need to show them that. <clears throat> but, you know, there's a lot that we can learn as we look back in history and also as we look into Scripture. The Roman Empire and America have a lot of similarities. As a matter of fact, the way that we govern in our political systems that conceptually came from the way that the Romans governed. And so I know that this can be a very polarizing topic for us to talk about. And so I was trying to figure out how we could just kind of, kind of set the tone and how we, could, how we could just kind of get everything figured out before we even begin. So everybody stand up. Stand up real quick. And this is going to help me know where we are and where we need to go today. I would like for all of the Republicans to go over here on the right... And I would like all of the Democrats to go over here on the left, and then everyone that's kind of in the middle or libertarian, I want you to come and sit here. Okay? You ready? No, we're not going to do that today. As a matter of fact, last night after Saturday's service, uh, Plum Creeker texted me and said, you're a jerk. <clears throat> and I said, okay. Why? He said, you didn't tell me who to vote for. And that is not what we're going to do today. So you turn and give somebody a high five and say, God bless America. Just do that. <clears throat> lots of ideas, lots of opinions, lots of discussions, lots of emotion surrounding the topic of politics, but we need to remember that the early church was birthed under the heavy hand of the Roman Empire, and that's important. As we look back in history, we need to see that, and it wasn't a very popular place. The Roman Empire was extremely oppressive, worse taxes than we have, and added fees all the time. The people that collected the taxes could just add whatever they wanted as a little handling charge. Very oppressive, horrible, it didn't make sense, and the government was pushing against them in so many ways, and yet in the middle of all of that, the Apostle Paul was speaking to the early church in Romans, and he had something very powerful to say that actually, fast forward, it speaks to us today as well. And I want you to see this. If you have your notes, you can pull them out. And you might want to circle these verses on the top of the, uh, the journey guide that you have. Romans chapter 13. We're just going to take a look at this together. Romans 13, starting in verse 1. Everyone, you need to stop there for a second. Read that word. You want me to tell you what that means? No, we don't need to do that. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For, and this next word, what does it say? All. Do you know, do you know what all means? I'm not going to unpack that either, for all authority comes from where? Ah, wait a minute. Can that be possible? Everybody nod your head. <clears throat> if you spend much time reading Scripture, you will understand that uh, the history of the nation of Israel was all about God using nations, foreign nations, ungodly nations, good nations, good kings, bad kings, 
strategically put in place for a reason. And here's the bottom line for this weekend. Do you believe God is sovereign or not? Yeah. So then, then we have to know that this is true. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by whom? God, we have to remember that. So everyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. We have to allow these things to settle into our hearts. Let's jump down to verse 4. The authorities are God's servants. That seems crazy sometimes. But these authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Obviously, God uses people, leaders, all the time. Okay, let's continue in verse 5. In verse 5, it says this, So you must submit to them. Ooh, oh, whoa, whoa. What are we going to do? Submit. Submit to them. Not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Verse 6 is great if you're an IRS agent. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes too for these, are the, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor. And what? Give respect and honor to those who who are in authority. You need to hear that today. I need to hear that today. This should be challenging when we think about this. What does it look like for us to give respect and honor to the people that God has put in authority over us? I think that the number one way that you can do that is to pray, to pray. And it's not just at a day of prayer. It's not just at a concert of prayer or a gathering to pray. It should be every day in your private life when you have opportunity to pray, you should pray for the people that God put in authority over us. You should be doing that. And it's amazing when you pray for people, what happens in your heart when you think about them. If you'll take time to pray, it will, it will change your perspective. It's not going to change your politics, but it'll change your perspective. It might change your politics. But we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to honor, and we need to respect those. And I challenge you, be careful. Be careful what you post on your Facebook. Be careful what you put on your Twitter feed. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you communicate about those that our God has put in positions of authority over us. This is important. That was a hard message for them, and it's a hard message for us today because we understand this. Listen, there's a lot of craziness that goes along with our politics. Isn't that true? I mean, you look at government, and sometimes you just shake your head, and you think, gosh, there's so much crazy there. I wish there was a way for us to sort this stuff out. I wish someone would just go in there and strategically look at all of these different departments and positions and stuff that we do and just figure out how we could be more efficient. Have you ever felt that way before? There was a letter that had been circulated uh, not too long ago on the internet. I want to read it to you. It was written to the Secretary of Agriculture, and it went like this. Dear Secretary of Agriculture, my friend Dan Hansen, who is in the farming industry in Honey Creek, Iowa, received a check for $1,000 for the government for not raising pigs. I would like to join the group of those that are not rearing pigs as soon as possible. As I see it, the hardest part of this not raising hogs program will be keeping an accurate record of how many pigs I haven't raised. Are there any special policies to help me with this? If I get $1,000 for not rearing 50 pigs, will I get $2,000 for not raising 100? 
You see, I plan to operate on a small scale at first, holding myself down to about 4,000 pigs not raised, which means I'll make $80,000 in the first year. And I plan to get started on this thing as soon as possible because this seems like a great time of the year to begin a non-pig raising business. In view of the above, I will obviously be totally unemployed and will now qualify for unemployment benefits. And as a point of reference, please be assured I plan to vote for you in the next election, right? We read these things and we kind of chuckle and we're like, that's extreme, right? Right? But we do live in a season of life where politics have been pretty much taken to a place of being out of order. And if you don't agree with what's happening in our government and if you don't agree with the way things are going, what do we do? What do we do? How do we respond? How is, how is it that God calls us to interact in this, in this politically challenged environment that we live in, especially as we head into an election year? So you're going to need to take some notes today because this is going to be a great way for us to be able to make a significant difference, I think, fast. It's clear that there's times that God uses governments and leaders and foreign nations for all uh, sorts of reasons, and, and we need to submit ourselves, as that first verse that we read says, uh, we need to submit to those that he's putting in authority over us, and we need to ask ourselves, is he really in control or not? Is God in control? Is he really sovereign? So we're called to submit to those in the authority that God has established, and I want to explain to you today, I'm going to shift gears, and I'm going to turn into something I never in a million years would have dreamed that I turned into. A history teacher because I didn't like history when I was a kid but I actually really enjoy history now I love to read uh, history a lot and I'm going to try and explain to you how we have gotten to where we are today there are a lot of things that we should be grateful for in this country would you agree if you've traveled much outside of the United States maybe work or travel or missions trips or whatever some of you have you ever been in a third world country just raise your hand yeah we live in a great place don't we very quickly we understand how blessed we are in this nation. We, we, we also complain quick, don't we? We complain quick. But there's one thing that I think we should be most excited about as we look backwards at our founding fathers and as we look backwards at the history of our nation. Something we should be excited about. When you wake up in the morning, you should thank God for this. As a matter of fact, maybe we should do another high. As a matter of fact, will you look to your neighbor and high five them again and say, thank God for the Bill of Rights. You've probably never said that before. The first 10 amendments to the Constitution, and you see these amendments, they guarantee a number of personal freedoms. This is why, this is why the early pilgrims came here. Freedom, freedom. These freedoms are significant. They limit the government's power in judicial and other proceedings, and they reserve some of the power to the states and the public. And these amendments, they include things like this. Freedom of speech and freedom of the press. It's powerful. You have freedom to say what you want, when you want, right? How you want. You could Facebook anything. Even what you had for dinner. You could tweet anything you want. You could on your Twitter account say something bad about my mom. You could. That would be really stupid though. Really stupid because I have the power to deploy the Plum Creek security team on you. Or even worse, I could get the youth group to teepee your house. You don't want to mess with that. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> but you have the freedom to say whatever you want, but I challenge you to be careful with what you say. 
We also have the freedom of assembly, and that's a big deal because I've been in countries where we would have had to put in for a permit to do what we're doing today, to ask for permission to gather. We have the freedom to assemble, the right to bear arms, the right to due process. Now, that's a big one, that there actually is a plan in place if something goes wrong for us to have a jury trial, a jury trial to be tried by your peers. That's a big deal because in some countries, I just cut your hand off. It's a crazy world that we live in, but we have freedoms like the freedom from, from folks to just come in and search and seize things in our homes without, without some kind of document from a judge. We have freedom from cruel and unusual punishment. And I like this one. We have freedoms from having to worry that we have to maintain a bed and breakfast for the military. That's called quartering soldiers. There's a lot of things that we have freedoms from. When you read these, you really have to think about the context in which they were written, the things that were happening all those years ago. And they also wrote the Bill of, those that wrote the Bill of Rights, they knew that things were going to change. They knew that that obviously there was going to be progress and that there would be different things that would matter. And so then they wrote the Ninth Amendment. Some of you might remember this. Some of you might be in government class. Young people, this is big. The Ninth Amendment. This is important. This was kind of the catch-all. And so they wrote this knowing that things were going to change. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Perfect. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Doug. This is basically saying that we aren't listing all the rights, but we're listing a few, and there are other ones that go beyond the ones that we've listed here, and that is fascinating. But here is where things get very interesting, because you see there's been a major, major shift in our culture over the last couple hundred years, and there's been a lack of understanding of how we were founded. And so if we were to rewrite this statement from from the Ninth Amendment today, it would say something like this. I have the right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else's amended Ninth Amendment rights. Does that feel like the culture we live in? It does to me too. Because this is the way we think as Americans, that the Ninth Amendment is the catch-all. And I want you to follow with me to understand this. <clears throat> if you are a parent and you're, uh, you have teenagers that have gotten to that like driving age, you're going to understand what I'm talking about here. This is, this is crazy how this happens, right? And so uh, my daughter Megan now, she's 15, she has her permit, and uh, so now she's quickly, quickly grabbing the keys, right, because she wants to get some practice driving. <coughs> Excuse me, and so she, she's been given some freedom, right? She's been given some freedom to drive us around as long as either Beth or I are in the car, right? And so there is some responsibility that comes with her driving, and so oftentimes, uh, much to her chagrin, we continue to tell her uh, little things to be thinking about while she's driving, right? That's important. But then there comes this day, and like my boys are sitting over here and they know this, that there comes this day when the car keys then are able to be taken by them without mom or dad in the car, and it's freedom, right? It's freedom, freedom. But they'll be the first to tell you that that freedom also comes with a responsibility, right? Do you know why? It's my car. It's my car. And you can't just drive my car however you want. As a matter of fact, uh, still pay for a lot of the gas. They're actually helping out a little bit now, so that's great. But you understand <clears throat> that freedom comes with responsibility. And see, this is what we've lost in our nation today. 
freedoms. We have more freedoms than any nation in the world, but with those freedoms come a responsibility, and somehow these things have been missed. And in our culture today, we think that our freedoms are for me, for me. You think that your freedoms are for you. There's a piece of that that's true. But there's a responsibility that comes with those. And the reality is that rights without responsibility, and I take the keys away, right? Rights without responsibility in our country, and things go wrong. Eventually, you can get, have anarchy. And here's the crazy thing. Liberty without responsibility eventually is going to lead to a place where it's going to undermine the very liberties that we celebrate, and our founding fathers knew this. It is all over the documents that they created. You can read it historically in letters that they wrote. And so our main thought this weekend is this. Liberty demands responsibility. Circle that. Put a star next to it. And it's going to help you to understand how politically we've gotten to where we are today and what we can do to change it. If everyone demands their individual rights without any consideration for others and not taking responsibility, ultimately all of us will lose our liberties, which brings us to a really important question. You see, this logically works so well because then the next thing that should be coming through your mind right now, and I know it is, is how come we don't have a bill of responsibility then? How come we don't have a bill of responsibility? That would make sense, wouldn't it? If our liberties come with responsibility, how come we don't have a bill of responsibility? Here's why. The authors of these documents that our nation is built upon Our founding fathers, this can be seen throughout the things that they wrote, they assumed a moral and an ethical guardrail that we were to run on as a nation. It was assumed. They felt like this was just basics to the way life would need to work. This assumption was part of the fabric of the foundational pieces of our our nation, a consensus of conscience, a consensus of divine accountability, As a matter of fact, there was a connection to how real the divine intervention was to get them to where they were in the moments that they got the opportunity to write the documents. Like, thank God we made it here. Thank God we have an opportunity now to begin to birth this great nation. Individual individual expression governed by concern for individuals. You see, there wasn't the undercurrent of selfishness that we have in our culture today, there was this, none of this, this is my right and forget about you. It was a culture that cared. It was a culture that understood that they were working together for the, for the betterment of the group, for the people that were there, caring for one another. This can be seen in many of our nation's early documents. And the greatest example to this, and you have to see this today, and I'm not even going to apologize for the history lesson today. This is the preamble to the Declaration of the Independence. You guys read that? In the last week, let me read it to you. We hold these truths to be, what's this word? Self-evident. Does anybody know what that means? Look me. This is really deep. No, duh. That's what that means. No, duh. I mean, this is so simple. Everybody would know. Self-evident. That's what they were saying. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are what? Created equal. That's so important for us to continue to understand. Created equal. That they are endowed. Now this is fundamentally important. Part of the guardrails that they knew that they were building our nation on. They are, they are, that they are endowed by whom? Their creator. And what did the creator do? He gave them certain unalienable rights that among these are life, 
liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You've read this probably many, many times before, but I wonder if you've ever seen embedded in the document the guardrails that our founding fathers wanted us to never take for granted. This is no dust, simple stuff. Simple stuff. Should be self evident that we are given rights, but are they given by our government? Are they given by some historical national document, by laws? But no, these are things that are given to us by our God. They're given to us by God, our Creator. Understanding that we are all accountable to God for how we exercise our individual rights is so important. As a matter of fact, let's just do another historical lesson here today. Do you remember the name John Adams? John Adams, a little trivia. John Adams was the first vice president, which means that he worked with who? Oh, you guys did better than the last. They were like, I was like, George Washington. You remember him, right? George Washington. He ended up being, John Adams did the second president of the United States, and he said this. Listen carefully. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. And look what he says. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. You see, there was this understanding of these moral and kind of religious things. In other words, if there's no moral consensus, no sense of divine accountability, this grand experiment of freedom will fail. Brings us back to our main point. Liberty demands responsibility. Liberty demands responsibility. Personal liberty without accountability and responsibility is going to devour and kill our liberty. So here's, here's where we end up. We end up in a place like I think we are in our nation today. When my rights infringe upon your rights, who's to say who's right? How do we figure that out? How do we figure out who's right when your rights infringe on my rights? What do we do? What do we do? Everybody just reach into your pocket. That's what you do. And you get your wallet out. And you hire a lawyer, right? That's how we figure it out. Instead of going back to the fundamental basics that that this nation was built upon. And so what happens then is that the government then begins to create law after law after law after law after law. Thinking about every possible way that we could be in violation of the responsibilities that we have to our freedoms. Does that make sense? So we have all these laws then, because we have to cover every possible selfish violation of our freedom. And here's the real problem. The law will always represent the minimum requirement every single time. It will do nothing to inspire greatness and excellence and virtue. It won't do that. It can't do that. Let me illustrate how that works. Because do traffic laws make you a good driver? No, they don't. They don't because because you always ask yourself, can I really go five over in this area? Is it okay for me to pass that old lady because she's driving me crazy? Is it possible for me to not have to fully stop at the stop sign? Law, the traffic laws do not make you a good driver. The tax laws make you financially responsible. No, they don't. The civil laws make you civil. They do not. Do neighborhood covenants make you a great neighbor? No, they do not. How about DUI laws? Do they make you passionate about sobriety? They do not. Domestic violence laws? Do those make you great men, 
great fathers and great husbands? Everybody did. No, there's nothing in the law that's going to inspire you to greatness. All it does is gives you the lowest denominator possible before somebody gets in trouble or potentially thrown in jail. The laws are powerless to inspire. And sometimes when you look at what's happening in our culture today, you think that we have gotten to this lowest denominator as a culture. Don't you believe that that's true sometimes when you look at what's going on around us? And here's what I'm convinced of, and this is sad and very bad news. Our legal system has permanently been disconnected from divine and moral absolutes. It's happened. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Give up. God bless America. Because I truthfully, in all of my heart, don't believe we're ever going back to where it started. I don't believe we are. And sometimes that grieves you. Sometimes that's so overwhelming you wonder if there's any hope, right? Any hope. And I am convicted that we're never going back to where we started. But look at me. There is hope. There is hope. And you need to hear me say this. It's not about a candidate that's going to be elected. And it's not about a law that's going to be passed. Because when we look at it from that perspective, when our politics get boiled down to that and that alone, listen to me, we fail as a nation. We fail as a people. We're not even coming close to understanding the responsibilities that we should have with the freedoms that we have been given. Not even close. And we fail as a group of people with an opportunity to truly make a difference. You see, there's somewhere between 60 and 70% of our population that say that they are some kind of Christ follower. They would claim to be Christians of sorts. Let's just say that we could get the bulk of 60 or 70% of the people in our nation to understand that with our freedom comes responsibility and understand what that responsibility looks like. Friends, listen to me. We will change this town if Plum Creekers will step up and live understanding that freedoms come with responsibility. We won't just change this town. We will change this state. And we have the potential together to change this nation and impact this world if we understand that freedom comes with responsibility. Do you remember how you felt the first time you got into the car and were able to drive out of the driveway without someone sitting next to you because now you had freedom? It feels good. But those freedoms are taken quickly when we don't act with responsibility. And so 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote a letter to those churches that he was starting, particularly those ones in Galatia, to the Gentile Christians that were confused. They were trying to figure out all the rules and all the regulations and how this works. And I don't know, you guys, I want you to know today when you see this, you're going to be like, that apostle Paul? Dude, that was either inspired or he was genius or both. And it's inspired. Looking fast forward 2,000 years to where we are today, and this still speaks to our hearts. He gives us direction on how we should approach this understanding the importance of freedom that comes with responsibility. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you have been called to live in, what's the word? Freedom. You guys need to say that like Braveheart or something. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Look at this. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Whoa, Paul! You mean you actually get this? You understand the foundation that we should build this great nation on? You knew what they needed to do back then when they were faced with the oppression of the Roman Empire. 
And so then he continues, and look what he says here. For the whole law, this is awesome, Paul is a genius, and if you ever want to be a genius, here's what you do. Quote Jesus, okay? That's genius right there. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. All the laws. Like, listen, church, I get it. There's times where things get so overwhelming, you can't even figure and sort through all the rules and the regulations. Just put all that aside and do what Jesus said to do. He said this, all the law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Genius. You want to know what the responsibility is for us to work in the, in, the, in the parameters of our freedom, and that's it right there. And listen, Plum Creek, if we would do this, it would change our town. If you would look through the lens of the way that God would want us to use our freedoms, then we would understand that we could change the world if we would just treat each other the way we wanted to be treated ourselves. One command. Forget all the rest of them. You could just forget about all the other rules. If you do that, it would change everything. Do life looking through that lens of treating others in this kind of way. And that's why what's so genius about what Paul wrote to us is this. We don't have the need for any other laws if we do that. None. You would never, you would never do half the stuff that our culture does today if we just lived by that very simple rule right there. And that's what our founding fathers understood, and that's why there was no bill of responsibility you see, Paul then was looking forward to us, and he says this, look, if you don't do what's right, if you forget about this, things are going to get crazy, and people are going to get hurt. And so he says in verse 15, he says this, he says, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, because beware of destroying one another. That's where it's going to go. This is where it's going to go if we don't, if we don't care for people the way that we would want to be cared for. If all this ends up and in every man for himself selfishly living, we're going to end up like dogs. We have more rights than any other nation in the world, but we've also taken these rights and we live narcissistically, making them all about me. But the church, listen, the church, and only the church, those that are following Jesus' plan for how we are to live our lives can change everything. And it's not by being a unified voting block. It's by living different. It's not by being a unified group of people that are law-abiding citizens. It's by living different. It's about exercising freedoms for personal reasons. It's about taking those freedoms that we have and using those freedoms personally to impact the people and ultimately the world around us. And here's what I believe as we're heading into this election year. Plum Creek, we can do better. We can do better. We can submit and live respectfully. We can pray like crazy. And we can use our freedoms, not just for our own personal gain, for our own personal pleasure, but we can use our freedoms to touch the lives that are around us. John Adams, the one that we talked about before, the second president of the United States, is quoted as having said this, posterity, do you know what that means? Just raise your hand. That's you. Your posterity. People in the future. You and me here today. You will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope that you will make good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. A haunting quote. 
from someone that understood the very fabric that our country was to be built upon. We must have these moral guardrails that will help us to do politics in a way that will honor our God. And thank God he's talked to us about it. But I know that each and every one of us, myself included, can do better. We can pray differently for those that God's put in leadership and authority over us. We can pray for God's help during election and we can ask for wisdom on who we're to vote for. But I still believe with all of my heart that if we will do this exercising our freedoms with this kind of responsibility, that we'll change the world. I believe that. Will you stand to your feet for just a second? You see, there's something that needs to be kind of broken inside of each of us because we all tend to be very selfish people and we need to have some freedom from that. We need to know that God doesn't want us just to live to make life about me, but to make life about those around us. And there's a lot that has kind of shackled us down and got us to a place where we're not free to express ourselves that way because the culture has told us something so completely different. And to be truthful, we've bought the lie that it's really all about me. But we live in the greatest nation in the world that's been given us incredible freedoms. And today, we're going to sing this song. And as we're singing this song, I want you to think about, think about this. Think about Jesus. All kind of freedom, right? Do whatever he wanted. And what did he do with his freedom? He laid it down, right? He laid it down. And he came to earth and he put his very life on the line for us to the point where he even would go to the cross so that we could experience a whole new kind of freedom. And then the challenge when you read Scripture is this. Just do it like Jesus. Just do it like Jesus. Let's follow His lead. Don't make it just about you. I believe there's some things that need to be released inside of you. There's some chains that have held you back that need to be broken. And I'm going to ask that today while we sing this song, God would speak to your heart and He would help you to know how to respond to this. That we would do politics different because we look at people different. We bow your heads for just a moment. God, will you help us today? I mean, we're tired of doing this the same old way. And Lord, we're overwhelmed when we think about heading back into a, another election year and all the craziness that comes with that and the ads and the, even the conversations, the Facebook posts, the things that will drive us crazy, the, Lord, silly things that will be said about other candidates. And Lord, I just pray today you'd help us as Christ followers to express our freedom in a different kind of way. Will you break the chains, God, that are so much a part of our lives that have caused us to live selfishly? Help us to live to make a difference in the lives of others. Help us, God, to follow your lead. Speak to us now in these moments as we reflect and as you speak to us, Lord, help us to have the courage to hear your voice and to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714 and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.